Hello there, spoops, and welcome to another episode. I am your resident spooky drag queen, Pissy Miles. And I'm your resident spooky smartass, Sam Baxter. And, and this, this is my spooky, spooky gay family. Hello there, Sam Baxter. Hello, Pissy Miles. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, I'm surprised at how awake I am. <laughs> I would have thought that uh, I would be a little more sleepy at this time of night, but uh, I'm doing okay. I'm hungry. I'm starving. Have you eaten much today? Uh, no, I have not. Mm. I'm missing dinner, too. So, <laughs> what are you? Do you know what you're going to do for dinner tonight? I have no idea. I don't either. I yesterday I was lucky. I had made um I had made low carb uh shepherd's pie the other night. Mm-hmm. I say low carb. It's lower carb right. <laughs> shepherd's pie um which is basically just chopped beef uh instead of lamb and mm-hmm. uh because I was going for lower fat content and peas and carrots which again not the lowest carb but lower uh and instead of regular potatoes, I did sweet potatoes okay. on top, which was um, surprisingly good, if I'm being honest. I really did enjoy it. Um, not the same. Yeah. But because I've seen a lot of recipes that are for low carb shepherd's pie call for mashed cauliflower. And mm-hmm. I don't fuck with that. So I was like, <laughs> we are not doing mashed cauliflower uh shepherd's pie that would be like a fucking sin i can't think of a worse thing do you like mashed cauliflower i mean i i like cauliflower in its preparations so but not when it's mashed there's something about it being mashed that like i can't because i'll do like cauliflower rice that Mm -hmm. i can do okay but i do a potato is a potato is a potato i'm too irish and cauliflower is a lie a cauliflower is a liar it's a lie <laughs> i feel like brenda i'm like it's a liar and a fraud uh yeah I, I i love potatoes too much so to slightly lower the the carbohydrates i um i switch to sweet potatoes instead of regular potatoes i don't even know if that um really actually lowers the carbs much i found a low carb recipe that said you could do that Mm -hmm. um i i don't think it was sold as the lowest carb option i think mashed cauliflower was yeah but i chose to go for the one that actually tasted like it wasn't death so (laughs) i opted for the uh i opted for the mm, the mashed sweet potatoes and it was fucking delicious and i used um i used regular butter but i used uh like a keto creamer mm-hmm. instead of like half and half or or regular cream to you know kind of soften up those potatoes right. and i will say that that was good like that did it that okay. did it for me have you experimented with any low carb things in your diet 
I haven't really. Like, I've just been eating a shit ton of vegetables. I mean, that's good. I I can't fault you for that. (laughs) So, like, and switching over most of my grains to things like oatmeal and Mm. things like that, which I don't think are actually lower carb. I think they're just different. Lower calories? They are definitely lower calorie. Mm. And that, I mean, that's what you're going for. Yeah, I'm just counting calories. I'm not. Yeah, you're not diabetic, so. No. Uh, no need. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately for me, uh, this fat woman is trying to uh, lower her, her sugar and carb intake. So I am I am personally trying to lower carbs as much as I can. But, you know, something I've been discussing a lot is, like, I'm just a foodie. I love food. And I'm getting to that point where it's like, you can only have so many salads. You can only have so many things before you look at it and go, I, I just need a potato. Like, I just <laughs> need a starch. I just need it. Um, so the other day, I I gave it a shot. And I will say, you know, I, I took just like a slightly extra amount of insulin to cover what I did. And my blood sugars did not spike after these low-carb uh, shepherd's pie so I'll I'll give it that you know I was like because I doubted it I was like you know I know it says low carb but I'm probably going to trust it and then my blood sugars will be through the roof but that didn't happen I actually ended up the first time I did it uh, over calculating a little too much and going low afterwards um, oh, okay. so maybe it is lower carb than I expected who knows why they're called sweet potatoes <laughs> I I have no idea. I mean, I think it's the taste. But you would think if it was sweet, there would be some kind of natural sugar in it. No? You'd think. But, I mean, everything has some kind of natural sugar in it. Not everything. (laughs) (laughs) Kale doesn't have natural sugar. That's why it tastes like a demon's asshole. Like like a bitter demon's asshole. Uh just in case anyone was wondering, I am not a fan of Kale. <laughs> yeah, just in case you were unclear on his position. <laughs> you like Kale, though, right? I like it in certain certain things. Like, I'm not... I would never eat, like, a Kale salad. Really? No. Oh, see, I thought you would. But, um, no, I'll eat it roasted. I like it sautéed. Like, it's, it's. Do you good. eat, like, Kale chips? I do like Kale chips, yes. Don't they taste bitter? A little bit, but like with a little bit of olive oil and salt, they're fine. Blech. It's just so gross to I'm like it just it feels like such a bastard chip. Like like <laughs> no, nah, you're not a potato. Stop it. <laughs> it's the same thing I said to cauliflower. Everything's trying to be a potato. <laughs> Even me at this point. <laughs> potatoes I, are the cool kids. They are the cool kids. I'm basically a potato. <laughs> Uh, but I, yeah, I have been trying to do better. I have no idea what I'm going to do for dinner tonight. Um, there's a part of me, I was talking to Emily Pullman on Instagram, one of our lovely, lovely patrons, Emily. Um, I, she and I were chatting on Instagram cause she was talking to me about uh, in our, I think it was our mini last week. I can't remember if it was the mini or the main episode. I had been ranting and raving as I am wont to do. <laughs> About blog recipes? Yes. You remember? Yes, I do. And I was saying how fucking annoying they are and how the the spice ratios are always ridiculous and never accurate. And uh, 
she was messaging me and I was and I was talking to her and she was like, yeah, they're they're terrible. Don't ever trust a blog recipe. They're never good. And um, she she's right. And so she and I agreed to swap shepherd's pie recipes. OK. And I'm very excited to get hers. She says that hers uh, hers uses beer. OK, I believe that. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. Because yeah. I have a shepherd's pie recipe that I love. And what where I was going with this is I think I might tonight try making my shepherd's pie mm-hmm. with uh, with sweet potatoes instead of the regular potatoes. Because I followed a whole new recipe mm-hmm. for this one I did. And I didn't like... I didn't really like the... Um, the meat mixture, it didn't come out with the same texture that right. shepherd's pie is supposed to have. You know, it's very easy to like dry out shepherd's pie, mm-hmm. but it's supposed to be like almost like saucy, like creamy almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this recipe I have does that. And I wanted to have that in the, in the meat filling, but just the sweet potatoes on top instead of regular potatoes. Uh, so I'm going to try that. And Emily, if you send me your recipe, I'll send you mine. But she was messaging me and she was like, just be forewarned. She was like, I don't measure my seasoning. It's like to palate. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, to be fair, neither do I, you know, we talked about that on the last episode that or whichever episode we were talking about spices, but I was saying like, they never add enough spice in the recipe. You always have to do it to your own your own liking. And I was like, just let me know which spices you use and I will inherently know how much to put <laughs> I in. I will intuit. I will intuit. <laughs> <laughs> I will intuit the paprika. Um, do you make shepherd's pie? Um, I don't really, to be honest. Like, it's not, I, I don't dislike it, but it's not one of my favorites. Really? Really? I'm kind of shocked by that. You like a lot of the um the classic kind of pub food, yeah. Pub food. Yeah. I do. Um I've gotten very good at making scotch eggs, not that I'm allowed to eat them anymore. <laughs> but um <laughs> I don't really know how you make a scotch egg. Um it's pretty easy. You hard boil an egg or really you should soft boil it because you're going to fry it so you don't want it to get too far. How do you soft boil an egg? What does that even mean? It just means you take it out a little before the yolk is all the way hard. Mm. So it's a little jammy in the middle. Ugh. How do you know? Time. Timing. Oh, I was like, that's so <laughs> weird. What do you poke it? No. You're like, it's still squishy. <laughs> this is my squishy. I will name him squishy and he will be my squishy. No, but yeah, you wrap it in sausage meat. You roll that in like um, crushed up cornflakes and then you fry it. It's delicious. That sounds bizarre. No, but you cut it open with a little bit of mustard. Like, it's really, really good. I go back and forth on mustard. You know what's funny? I didn't like mustard as a kid. So I've always kind of assumed that I don't like it. But I think as an adult, my palate has changed enough that I would like it. But I still have, like, an aversion to it because I have that, like, childish fear of it. (laughs) And it's like, if I used mustard now, I would probably enjoy it. But uh, I I don't know. I haven't, I've never done it. That's fair. Maybe, maybe I'll make a scotch egg and, uh, and I'll let you know what I think of it with mustard. Also good with brown sauce if you can 
come by it. Brown sauce. Yes. Do you make your own? I do not. Oh, where do I you buy get it? in the store? Um, there's a there's a little grocery store by me. It's called Aki. Um, and they have a rather large international section. Really? Yeah. And one of the things that they typically have is is the HP brown sauce. So really, mm-hmm. you know what's funny? I realized the other day there's an Aki near here. Yes, there is. It's it's, it's like ten minutes down the road. Not mm-hmm. even probably five or seven. Yep. Maybe I'll try. Maybe I'll try Aki. I'll see if I can get my hands on some brown sauce. It's probably through the roof with carbohydrates, but I <laughs> I'm, I'll give it a shot. Um, no, but I found it in like Shoprite too. Like it's not. Really? It's not that unusual. Huh. I've never seen it anywhere but a Chinese restaurant. Are we talking about the same brown sauce? I don't know. What kind are you talking about? The English version of brown sauce. Oh, no. I was talking about um, brown sauce as in uh, like beef and brown sauce. No. Oh. Um, there is a condiment. In England? In in the UK that is called brown sauce. Oh, it's, I didn't know that. It is kind of a... Is it like it's Worcestershire a, it's sauce? A savory. I believe Worcestershire sauce is in it. Mm. But um is it sweet? No, it's kind of tangy. Like it's hmm. it's kind of hard to describe. But it's a it's a savory sauce and it goes on most things. But it is particularly good on scotch eggs. Huh. Have you ever had salad cream? I have. Is it good? It's <laughs> It's an experience. The face you made when I said that. <laughs> It's it told the whole story. <laughs> like it was fine. Like it wasn't it wasn't bad. I don't really know what's in it. I don't really know what's in it either and I think I'm happy not knowing. I always assumed it was some kind of egg. That sounds right. Like it's it's a it's a little it's a little mayoish. Hmm. Lily and DJ, if you're listening, please <laughs> let us know what is in <laughs> salad cream because the only reason I even know about salad cream is because I I watched Faulty Towers, mm-hmm. and there's that episode where that little shitty kid is like, I wanted bread and sour cream. And he's like, we have fresh mayonnaise. And he's like, that's not salad cream, stupid. And it's like, <laughs> he just like berates John Cleese for not having salad cream. And I was like, what the fuck is salad cream? It sounds like like mayonnaise. It, it sounds like a, like the soft part of a, a hard boy of a deviled egg. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes, I, I can't because it. I assumed it was yellow. I don't know why. Salad cream just sounds like a yellow condiment. Um, I have no idea what's in it. I don't really have any idea of what it would taste like either. Uh, did you find it? Yeah, it's oil, water, egg yolk, and vinegar. So I knew it's, there it's were eggs in it. Mayonnaise. I told you. I was like, <laughs> this is eggs. I knew it was eggs. It may include other ingredients such as sugar, mustard, salt, thickener, spices, flavoring, and coloring. That is definitely yellow then. It is. It is yellow. It is I pale knew it. Yellow. I knew it. I should. I'm like a condiment psychic. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it had eggs. How gross. <laughs> like what? I said, it didn't taste bad. What do you put it on? I don't know. Not I salad. Tried it. <laughs> I tried it out of like a little cup. You drank it? No, it was, it was a sample. <laughs> but what did you do with it? I took a toothpick and I... I gathered some on the toothpick. They didn't like put, put it, it on a cracker for you or no, something? No, it was in a little plastic cup. That sounds horrifying. I mean, like I said, it wasn't It wasn't bad. You drank eggs. I didn't drink You're like eggs. Gaston. <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, uh, what the hell was I talking about? You're talking about shepherd's pie. Shepherd's pie. I think that might be my <laughs> venture for tonight. I might, I might pull out my old shepherd's pie recipe and see uh, how I can modify it. Because okay. the, the recipe I made the other night was like not... Didn't cut it. It didn't cut it by any means. And they suggested using ground turkey. And I was like, absolutely not. I was like, <laughs> how many fucking ways can you ruin this? <laughs> You're already getting rid of the potatoes. At least let me have the beef. <laughs> Jesus, please us. Um, all of this is to say we did not come here to no. discuss any of that today. No, but since this is the first 20 minutes of all of my Spooky Gay Family episodes are essentially cooking vlogs. I know. <laughs> to be fair, this was only the first 15. We well, did good today. Almost 17, I should say. We're at 16. But we're still talking about it, so we're going we're gonna to run it up. I mean, we've got three more minutes. What did I miss? <laughs> <laughs> what should I make as a side? I, I do have salads. You know what I found? To, have I talked about this with you before on the podcast? What? The the I, I don't remember what um, the company name is, but they're called Salad Kits. It's like chopped salad kits oh, yeah. or something. No, um, I ate them almost exclusively last summer. Really? Yeah. They're great, aren't they? Yeah, no, they're very good. I personally like the Asian ones. I like the Thai one uh, and the, uh, it's just called the Asian uh, salad mix, I guess. But um, it has like, one of them has like kind of a gingery dressing or a sesame dressing. And um, the other has more of a Thai dressing that's a little sweeter. Mm -hmm. But um, it does come with flaked coconut but yeah. i don't put it on the salad i don't like it mm -hmm. the first time i ate it i was like i'm probably not going to like this but i was trying to be more adventurous and i was like let me try this the way it was meant to be eaten mm -hmm. do you ever do that where you're like i don't know that i'll like this but this is the way it was intended to be enjoyed so i'm gonna do it no, no <laughs> i, I I doctor things. I change things all the time. Yeah. Like, I I don't think I've eaten anything anything in the last year the way it was intended to be eaten. <laughs> it's like, like, one of the things I'm doing on my diet right now is I'm, I'm eating a lot of frozen side dishes. And, like, I've started getting the ones from Trader Joe's, which are already seasoned and things like that. Mm -hmm. I always change it. Yeah. Like, like, I always add something to it. Well, that's like people who buy like jarred sauce, and I no tea. I I have no problem with jarred sauce, mm -hmm. but then they they just like heat it up yeah. and put it on their pasta, and I'm like, okay, listen, add some garlic at least. I, I am I am I will never guilt anyone for buying jarred sauce. I I use jarred sauce myself, but I always season it. Yeah. Always. I have never put sauce on a on pasta that I didn't touch up. Whether it's Alfredo sauce, vodka sauce, uh red sauce, like whatever it is, I and yes it is sauce, you filthy, filthy Italians. <laughs> <laughs> I say gravy sometimes just to annoy Sarah. <laughs> gravy is brown. <laughs> gravy is brown. Um and I am Italian, so I can say filthy, filthy Italian. So, <laughs> just before somebody comes for me. Um, it is not gravy. That is an American Italian, an Italian American thing. It is a, mostly a North Jersey Italian American. Yeah, thing. like, and it's not gravy. Like, you would you put that on mashed potatoes? If the answer is no, it's no. not gravy. It's sauce. <laughs> 
Uh, that said, you all, you have to touch it up with something. To be fair, you can have white gravy, but you have to start with flour. That's basically the rule. Yeah, a, a gravy is a flour-based uh, concoction. <laughs> I almost said sauce, and I was like, I'm negating myself. <laughs> it is a flour-based gravy, is what all it is. All gravies are sauce, but n- not all sauces are gravy. Yeah, it's like a square and a rectangle thing. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, gravy is is some shade of brown. Yes. And they can be light brown. Yes. Or maybe, I guess, even some other colors, right? There's brown seen... gravy. There's there's quote-unquote white gravy, but it's more of a beige. Yeah, that's fair. I've never seen I've never seen a white gravy that was, like, stark white. That would be horrifying, I think. I mean, I've seen it mostly in, like, advertisements for, like, southern, like, biscuits and gravy. I mean, it is, like... It is considered white gravy, but it is not white. It's like beigey. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> we hit 21 minutes. <laughs> talking about the semantics of gravy. This is important information. Everyone listening needs to know this. How could you get on with that your life? That gravy is beige. That gravy is beige. <laughs> Where's my phone? I'm writing that down. That is the new episode title. Um, Yeah. Gravy is beige or brown and nothing else. But especially not red. Especially not red. Although I guess you could have a blood gravy, couldn't you? I guess sort of. I mean, it would probably taste disgusting. Yeah. yeah. If you have a red gravy, it is made with blood. It is not made with tomatoes. <laughs> tomatoes don't go in gravy. It's just not a thing. And if you're a chef and you come up to me and say there's a gravy with tomatoes, I'll punch you in the throat. It's a little extreme. It's extreme to call tomato paste a gravy. It's tomato sauce. But anyway, um, <laughs> we did not come here to discuss the semantics of gravy. That, or maybe that's the episode title, <laughs> The Semantics of Gravy. Uh, we did not come here today. This is to- a true crime episode. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> uh, we did not come here today to discuss the semantics of gravy. We came here to discuss the semantics of something completely different. Yes. Um, We're kind of breaking with most tradition. I know we did Richard Ramirez not that long ago. Mm -hmm. We're going to do another true crime episode. This one is not... This is the first time we're not doing a serial killer. Or are we? (laughs) (laughs) That's the question. We don't know. We don't know what it is we're doing. Um, (laughs) Which doesn't change anything from how we normally operate. But... um, I say that because this case is very unusual. It It is unusual. It's unusual and, frankly, a little confusing and... Strange. Like, it's just bizarre. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely bizarre and kind of astonishing in a lot of ways. Like, it's a, it's a very strange story. We are talking today about... Um, a really odd case that I I don't even know like 
I don't even know where to like start. It it it, it goes back to about uh 2001. And so we're talking tw- oh my god, it was 20 years ago. <laughs> yep. That's horrifying. Um in 2001, uh a gentleman named Michael Peterson uh, was accused of killing his wife in uh, North Carolina. I believe it was Raleigh, right? It was uh, Durham. Durham, Raleigh, Durham, uh, North Carolina. Uh, and you know what's funny? One of the times we went down to visit Bob and Kevin when mm-hmm. they were living <clears throat> near Raleigh, yeah, we stayed in a house that was like 10, 15 minute drive mm-hmm. away from the Peterson house. <laughs> And I didn't realize it until we got home and I was like, son of a bitch. Like, I was so mad. I just wanted to, like, drive by and see the house. Although I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure that the current occupants of the house just would love that. Yeah, I'm sure. First of all, I'm sure that Michael Peterson does not live there anymore and we'll get into why later. But, um... And then on top of it, you know, I'm sure there would be nothing to actually see. But there is kind of that uh, voyeuristic part of me that I kind of like to see significant locations as strange as that is, whether it's like a filming location or it's the scene of a really awful thing. Like I like to feel the connection to a space like that. Morbid curiosity. It's definitely a morbid curiosity. Like um, every time I've gone to Los Angeles, I've always wanted to go to Cielo Drive Mm-hmm. And I know it's not even called that anymore. I know they changed the street name to uh, kind of dissuade people from bothering the residents there. Yeah. But there is always a part of me that wants to, like, see that area just to know what it's like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not advocating for that because, like like I said, you know, <laughs> as voyeuristic as this is of me, uh, it is probably a bit disrespectful. <laughs> um <laughs> So, yeah, I'm not advocating that people go out and do this. I'm just trying to be honest about my own feelings about it. Do you ever feel that way about things like this? Um, I do feel that way about filming locations. I have a bit of a harder time with, like... Actual locations. Actual locations. I, th- I think that I would feel weirded out. You know, and I should clarify, it's... I say it's voyeuristic, but it's more that, like... I am someone who is very tuned into the energy of a space and I like to feel the energy of these spaces and who knows how much of that is what I'm projecting onto it and what's actually there. Mm -hmm. But um, there is a part of me that just likes to kind of uh, feel a space out that way, Mm -hmm. just to kind of have like a private experience with something like that. There's something kind of fascinating about it to me. Um, but and, and that's kind of neither here nor there. All of this boils down to the fact that today we are talking about uh, Michael Peterson, who is an American author who in 2001 was accused of murdering his wife, uh, Kathleen, at the bottom of the stairs of their home in uh, Raleigh-Durham. And is it Raleigh-Durham or Durham-Raleigh? Raleigh-Durham. <laughs> North Carolina and uh, kind of what ensued was just like one of the craziest court cases and 
bizarre thing. It, it led to a documentary called The Staircase. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, I don't remember who originally produced that documentary, but it has since been bought by Netflix and Netflix produced a three episode follow-up to the uh to the documentary about what happened after the aftermath of that, you know, whole trial and documentary. So I know that you, uh, you planned a lot of exposition on the story. So (laughs) I'll let you, I'll let you jump on in and fill us in on what exactly we can expect from this story. Okay. Just to give kind of a bare bones overview of what happened. On December 9th, 2001, Michael Peterson called 911 to report that he had found his wife, Kathleen, unconscious at the base of the staircase. He suspected that she had fallen down 15 to 20 stairs under the influence of alcohol and Valium. He claims to have been outside by the pool and that he came in around 2.40 a.m. to find the scene. (laughs) He was sleeping, right? He claimed Um, to have been sleeping. Sleeping by the pool, I guess. By the pool, yeah. Yeah. He, he said he was sleeping in a poolside, like one of those like lounge chairs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as Peterson was the only person home at the time of her death after an investigation by the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation. And remember that we're going to call it the SBI from now on. <laughs> he is accused of and arrested for homicide. Mm-hmm. In the autopsy report that the North Carolina Medical Examiner's Office and remember them, too. Because <laughs> that's going to be <laughs> Because they're going to come up again, too. Um <laughs> Office finds that Kathleen had a BAC of 0.07%, which is just under legally impaired. Um, They also find that she died as a result of blood loss from seven lacerations to the top and back of her head as the result of a homicidal assault. Kathleen's neck was also fractured, presumably from a fall. The North Carolina District Attorney's Office argued in the trial that Peterson had two separate motives. That Kathleen had discovered his bisexuality and the extramarital affair he was having with a man, which had led to an argument in Peterson's slaying of his wife. They also made a lot about the $1.5 million life insurance policy that Peterson had on Kathleen. Mm -hmm. They argued that he wanted to end the marriage to pursue his quote-unquote secret gay life (laughs) and had killed Kathleen to accomplish this. They suspected that the murder weapon was a blow poke, which is a custom fireplace poker that they claimed was missing from the house when it was searched. The defense later refuted this theory as the blowpoke was found in the house on the premises and forensically (laughs) ruled out as the murder weapon. Yeah. The DA's office also brought up the 1985 slaying or death rather of family friend Elizabeth Ratliff, who had also seemingly died after a fall down the stairs in Germany. Again, Peterson was the last person to see her alive. German courts ruled the death an accident as Ratliff had been having persistent severe headaches in the weeks leading up to her fall that may have caused her to collapse. There was also blood in her spinal fluid, which suggested that she may have had a blood coagulation disorder that may have also led to collapse. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, here's where this gets just a little strange on this note. <laughs> <laughs> the North Carolina DA requested Ratliff's body to be exhumed and re-examined by the Durham Medical Examiner, which we will remember also examined Kathleen. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Unsurprisingly, the defense wasn't happy about that decision (laughs) (laughs) and argued that it should be that the examination should be performed by a third party at a bare minimum. Mm -hmm. Unsurprisingly, the North Carolina ME's office ruled that Ratliff's death was a homicide with similar um, causality as Kathleen's. 
Mm-hmm. The judge allowed this to be entered into evidence and also allowed testimony from the nanny of Ratliff who discovered her body and the testimony of another witness who claimed to have spent hours cleaning blood off the walls. This was despite the German court record's assertion that there was not much blood at all at the scene. <laughs> <laughs> the DA did not directly accuse Peterson of Ratliff's murder, but insinuated that her death might have given him ideas of how to dispose of Kathleen. Kind of sounds like they were accusing him of her murder. Yeah. <laughs> During the trial, Kathleen's daughter, Caitlin, sued Peterson for the wrongful death of her mother. The case was settled for $25 million without Peterson admitting that he had killed Kathleen. Was Caitlin his biological daughter? Uh, no, I believe she was uh, yeah. only Kathleen's daughter. She was his, his stepdaughter. His stepdaughter, yes. So on October 10th, 2003, Peterson is found guilty of murdering his wife and sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. This sentence was odd, as normally in North Carolina, such a sentence must be issued for a premeditated murder, and the DA had argued that this was a crime <coughs> of passion. Mm-hmm. The jurors reasoned that even a few seconds of planning counted as premeditation. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that an actual thing? Something can be first-degree homicide even in, in, a, in the moment? It can be first-degree homicide if, like, you walk out of the room, go, I'm going to kill this person and this is how. Like... But, like, the idea that they were in the middle of an argument and he grabbed the blowpoke and just started hitting her, her. like, that's a crime, that's second degree murder in most places, Mm -hmm. I would argue. And based on what the DA was saying happened, it's just a bit odd. Could it be considered, because I'm trying to clarify just for... My own reasons, because mm-hmm. you have a lot more experience. You have a criminal justice degree. I do not. Yeah. Um, could it be considered first degree murder if their assertion was, and I'm not saying that this is what their assertion was, because mm-hmm. if I'm being honest, I can't really remember how their timeline of events played out. But <clears throat> could it be first degree murder if they had an argument that started out by the pool she walked inside, he followed her inside, grabbed the blowpoke, and attacked her? I would argue no. Generally, premeditation requires, it requires planning. Mm-hmm. So he would have to be following her going, I'm going to grab the blowpoke and I'm going to kill her. Like, But you couldn't prove that. It would be nearly impossible to prove. And generally speaking, death set result is the result from an argument are almost always definitively crimes of passion Hmm. because it's not like someone sat there and said i'm gonna have an argument with her and then i'm going to beat her to death right because the insinuation of a premeditated murder and and especially in this case because it's something that they did insinuate is that he had taken out a one there or i shouldn't say he had taken out they had taken out a 1.5 million dollar uh life insurance policy on kathleen yes and that was used as some kind of proof that this was premeditated? My understanding is that they basically argued that it didn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. They were just throwing everything they could against the wall on this guy. like. And that's something that really bothers me about this case is that I don't really know how to react to it. And I'm sure we'll get into this when we start dissecting it. But mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll let you finish. We'll get into it's it. It's okay. Um, In 2006, Peterson appealed his conviction on the grounds that there were multiple judicial mistakes committed during his trial. This appeal was denied by both the appeals court and the North Carolina Supreme Court. 
In 2008, Peterson requested a new trial based off of the assertion that the DA had withheld evidence that proved his innocence, that the DA used an expert witness whose credentials were in dispute, and that one of the jurors had used race as a deciding factor. The Superior Court of North Carolina denied his request. For the record, Michael Peterson is a white man, so... That was going to be my question. Race... Were they kind of going under the same... It's like... Race, because that's the terminology, but they were going for bias against his sexuality? I mean, the article I read specifically cited race, so I'm going to go with... I'm I'm not sure because they never said what the jurors' commentary was that led them to believe that. Hmm. So it's kind of up in the air. I'm not sure. I think it it would be kind of odd, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I'm I'm looking at it and... I know that at a certain point there was a uh, there was a documentary filmed by um, a, a French filmmaker named uh, Jean Xavier de Lestrade, and he uh, he does interview some of the jurors to find out how they reached their verdict. Mm-hmm. I wonder if. Um, uh, that is of course the staircase that what i'm talking about right. the documentary is the staircase i don't remember anything in the staircase that um that really specifically mentioned that but i wonder i wonder if it's something that i kind of glazed over i don't really i don't really know i don't know how in depth they went into the appeals I don't remember how in-depth they went on those. I mean, I know that they went into the the appeals a bit because then we get into the staircase two, which right. involves the 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 appeals and um, finally what happens later. But yeah. I, I'm not sure. I'll, I'll let you continue. It's okay. Um, the Superior Court of North Carolina <coughs> denied his request for a new trial. And here's where this gets a little interesting. Um, in 2010, Dwayne Deaver, one of the principal witnesses against Peterson, was suspended from the SBI after a report that showed his work to be massively subpar. <laughs> this is like the funniest <laughs> part of this story, and I can't wait to talk about it. He was later fired after further investigation found that he had falsified evidence and testimony in 34 cases. An outside attorney filed affidavits in support of a motion for the ME to turn over all reports related to Kathleen, but he was barred from filing further motions because he did not represent Peterson. Yeah. (laughs) In 2011, Peterson is released on a $300,000 bail after a judge finds that Deaver misrepresented and falsified bloodstain evidence at his trial. Deaver also was found to have greatly exaggerated his credentials as an expert witness. The judge orders a second trial, which Peterson tries to block. Finally, in an effort to avoid a second trial, Peterson's attorneys come to a resolution with the DA. In 2017, Peterson enters an Alford plea, which is a plea of guilty due to sufficient evidence to convict, even though the defendant maintains their innocence. He is ordered guilty of voluntary manslaughter and sentenced to 86 months with credit for time served. Since he had already served longer than that, he is released. And that's where Michael Peterson ended up. I have... I don't even know where to fucking start. Because I'm like... (laughs) There are so many thoughts on on this that we need to get into. Not... And it's like everything from the homophobia to what we think of the Alfred plea as a general take. Yeah. Just on the Alfred plea. But why don't we start with... um, why why don't we start with just 
the the case as a whole. Okay. Um, how did you first become familiar with this? Was it through the staircase? It was through the staircase. You had actually recommended the documentary to me. I think it was about a year ago. Or it might have been a little longer than I that. I mean, I know that I originally watched it a long time ago. This was like, we're talking like years ago. Um, David and I had kind of stumbled upon it because David obviously and I love uh, true crime. And we had stumbled upon it on some... I could have sworn it was HBO. He insists that it wasn't. Uh, mm-hmm. But I know that it was available on demand somewhere. I don't remember where, but we watched the entirety of The Staircase. It was like 10 episodes. Uh, and it's it's a lot. Like, it, it is, is a lot. lot to take in. Um, probably more than we could do in an hour and a half show <laughs> here today. Uh, but I remember being really taken with the story because it's so... It's so bizarre. I really don't know which side of the line I fall on with Michael Peterson. I don't know what I think he did or didn't do. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, too. It's it's an odd place to be. Because normally, I would look at this and say, it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Mm-hmm. Like... It doesn't make any sense. How would she get those lacerations on her head without someone attacking her? Right. We'll get into that later. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But in this instance, the case is so massively mishandled. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The case is massively mishandled. And also, not for nothing, just on its face, the evidence is very confusing. It really is. Because there are things he did that are truly bizarre. And I like, that's the thing. I can't fault the DA for that. Like, and again, I'm, I tend to be one of those people who is less trusting of cops and lawyers. (laughs) But I also, I also understand that, like, you know, these are people who, see this stuff day in and day out and know what there's they know how to interpret what they're seeing. It's just so strange because basically what we're looking at here is Kathleen Peterson was found not breathing at the yeah. foot of her stairs on the floor near her stairs with her head on the bottom landing stair, mm-hmm. uh, because there's a slight turn in the stairs, uh, And there is blood spatter up the wall. There is blood spatter on the wall going down the staircase, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think so. Um, And then she is laying in a pool of blood at the bottom of the stairs. But her body is laying in such a way that it, it looks like she fell backwards from the front door. Right. You saw the documentary, right? I did see the documentary. And you have seen the crime scene photos. It's been quite a while. I have seen the crime scene photos. I don't know how to describe it other than it looks... And I'm not saying this is what happened, but it looks like she fell backwards from the front door. The front door faces the bottom of the stairs. And it looks like she fell and her head is resting on the bottom stair and she is laying there. Um, her body is slightly turned, but we know that Peterson uh, 
I, I, I'm going to say manhandled for lack of a better term, uh, her body when he called 911, that he was checking for pulses, that he may or may not have administered CPR. I don't mm-hmm. know if he did um, or tried to administer CPR. I don't know the specifics of that. But uh, and then there was blood in the kitchen that is next to the uh, next to the hallway where the staircase is, the main mm-hmm. entryway. I don't know how the blood got there. I don't no. think it's ever really made clear how they think the blood got there. No. Other than that the attack may have started in the kitchen or that it may have been carried by Peterson. I know that a big part of the argument that was he must have been standing over her and hitting her. Right. Uh, was that there was blood spatter on the inside, like the inner thighs of his cargo shorts. Mm-hmm. And that was used as reasoning by Dwayne Deaver, the, yeah. the blood spatter quote unquote expert <laughs> yes. uh, as to why Michael Peterson had to have been murdering her. Yes. Um, but it's just so bizarre. The evidence is so odd. And they went on and on about this blowpoke because really what it comes down to is the reason they came they came up with this idea of the blowpoke was that um, Kathleen's sisters. And if he did murder her, I have empathy for that. Yeah. But for all other intents and purposes, these women are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to make it very clear that, yes, I do feel that way. Um, and I'll get to why in a in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But... Um, one of her sisters had given them a what is called a blowpoke for their fireplace as a gift. Yeah. For Christmas or a birthday or something like that. Yeah, I don't remember for what. And the reason it was assumed that this was the instrument of murder was that the blowpoke was missing. Mm-hmm. And the lacerations on the back of her head were consistent with a beating attack. Mm-hmm. But there was no fracture to her skull or bruising on her brain. Nope. So it had to have been an instrument that was heavy enough to have caused the lacerations, but not heavy enough to have cracked her skull or or bruised her brain. Yeah. And so they were like, well, the blowpoke is metal, but it is hollow. Mm-hmm. So since it is missing... It can be assumed that Michael Peterson used this to beat her to death and then disposed of it. Then they found it in the garage. (laughs) After uh, the assertion had already been made in the trial. Yes. That the blowpoke was the 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 murderer weapon. weapon. Yes. Um, And this is where things kind of become interesting because you're dealing with some really bizarre injuries. The injuries are exclusively in my understanding to her head and neck right uh yes i don't believe they found any other wounds on her she doesn't have defensive wounds right no as far as anyone can tell not that i read no i never read anything about defensive wounds i could be wrong and please feel free to correct me if i am but i never read anything about her having defensive wounds other than minor 
scratches maybe on her hands or or arms um but she had these severe lacerations to the back of her head mm-hmm. that kind of look like they make like a y pattern yeah uh on the back of her head like someone swung at her on the left side someone swung at her on the right side and then went right down the middle below it mm-hmm. um and it's it's a very strange pattern of wounds yes it is uh admittedly for a fall down the stairs which is what michael peterson asserted and i believe to this day asserts happened yeah um yeah and so that's where all of this gets bizarre what what was your first take on the evidence do you like do you think that this evidence is compelling for why the jury decided the way they did I think it is. I think that the first time I watched through the staircase, the first time I heard about this case, watching it and watching them interview Michael Peterson, who I didn't think seemed credible at all. No, he definitely seems kind of like a crazy person. Yeah. Like, I was of the opinion that, no, this guy murdered his wife. (laughs) Like, Like, and did kind of a bad job hiding it. Like, yeah. That was my that was my first take on this. Mm-hmm. It has changed slightly. It has evolved, and we'll get into that in a little while. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I agree with you. I think that the evidence is very compelling, and even to this day, even considering the things that we are considering that we have not yet brought up, yeah. Um, I will say, I'm not, I don't think it's out of the bound of reason to say that he could have killed her. No. I don't, I don't think that that is uh, it's certainly beyond reason. not impossible. It is not impossible by any means. And it's like you said, watching him in the interviews, he is kind of a pretentious person. Like, he's very odd and strangely spoken. Not poorly spoken, but no. but he's he's definitely not a very um, relatable person, and certainly not a like. He always seems to have the perfect answer for everything. Yeah, and it's it always felt a little scripted. It always felt a little well thought out. Yeah, yeah, like. Like, you practiced this in a mirror a couple of times before you said it to the camera. (laughs) And he probably did. And, like, (laughs) I I don't want to say that it's just just a gut feeling, but it's kind of, we talked about this a bit when we were talking about Unsolved Mysteries. It's like, you behaved so strangely. How could, how could I come to any other conclusion? Yeah. Like. (laughs) It's, it's kind of a. It's kind of expected that anyone would look at his interviews, particularly in the staircase, because that is basically both of our main focus for the information in this case. It's almost impossible to come away from that and not think that he's some kind of narcissist. Yeah, no, it's it's very difficult to to believe that he's just sort of this hapless guy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's hapless. And I don't think 
I wouldn't even go so far as to say that I think he's probably a good person. I'm not saying he's bad, but for all intents and purposes, I like, I don't know this guy from Adam. So yeah. it's like, based on what he presented, do I think we would be friends were it not for all of this? Probably not. Like, <laughs> I, I don't think he and I probably have much in common. However, this evidence is very convoluted. The thing that really threw me, especially in the staircase, is that because what we what we kind of have to get into is how law enforcement handled all of this. Because then you get into kind of the nitty gritty of like there were blood prints, and by blood prints I mean fingerprints or partial fingerprints mm-hmm. or partial handprints in the kitchen. There was evidence of cleaning of the blood in the kitchen by the time that first responders got there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't believe, I don't believe he had done any kind of resuscitation. No. I I can't be positive, but I don't believe he had done any kind of, of resuscitation on Kathleen. And that's when it comes down to like, well, it's really hard not to think yeah. something was odd here. Yeah. No, it's it's a strange story. <laughs> because when you get into the idea of him having possibly partially cleaned up, especially in the kitchen, it feels a bit like he took a murder weapon back in the kitchen and cleaned washed it, it and, yeah. and disposed of it. Mm-hmm. And especially because it was a while before the first responders got there. It was like 15 minutes or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, no, he had a... He had a nice wide window if that was what he needed to do. Yeah. Um, Granted, not all of it was cleaned. Who knows what he actually went in there to do. I have said, and, and I think that this is a very forgiving position to take, if, and I'm not even saying that this is what I think happened, but is it possible he was in such a state of shock that he thought she was dead and like was in a legitimate state of shock. I'm right. not uh, like a like a clinical state yeah. of shock that he walked into the kitchen and washed his hands because he had her blood on his hands. Yes, I think that's possible. Yeah. No, I think that's perfectly reasonable if he's in that kind of state. Yeah. Um something that I, I think any true crime uh fanatic knows is that Many people do not experience shock the same way. Mm-hmm. It is often um, everyone reacts to it a bit differently. It it depends so much on your temperament, so much on your experience, so much on on everything in your life. How you react to to a situation of shock, like legitimate clinical shock. Um, so, is it impossible that this guy walked into the kitchen, washed his hands? And tried to clean some of the blood off the floor. No, it's not impossible. Does it make him look really bad? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Is it possible that that is evidence of some kind of tampering or guilt? Absolutely. Yes. Um, and that's why, especially in the beginning, I have this kind of understanding for law enforcement because the situation is really unusual yeah and we are again in that kind of walks like a duck quacks like a duck 
Exactly. I mean, frame of mind. Do you do you think that law enforcement was right to handle the case the way they did the night they arrested him? I th- I think that they they certainly had probable cause to suspect him. Yes. Mm-hmm. I I don't think um I don't think their handling of the case after that <laughs> was um why did something particularly strange happen? stellar? <laughs> but um no, I can totally understand why they would look at this and say, "Okay, you're the only person home. She is there is so much blood." Like yeah. that doesn't happen from a fall down the stairs. Is that like, impossible? It's not impossible, but like those lacerations on her head, like it just doesn't look like something consistent with falling down a flight of stairs. Like, no, especially the fact that I, I mean, and this is found out later, but like the fact that there is no bruising of her brain after Mm -hmm. falling down 15 to 20 stairs. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. It's insane. If she had hit the stairs hard enough to split her scalp open, yeah, and she would have break cracked her neck and break her neck. She would have cracked her skull and bruised her brain. Yeah, I would. I would believe. Yes, I would believe. Yes, I should say. I sh- I would believe. <laughs> then we get into the main part of the trial. <laughs> yeah, and that's when things get a bit haywire. Yeah, asserting the blow poke without having it. I think was one of the things it's like he did all this crazy shit, but then they were like, hold my beer. It's like <laughs> asserting the idea of this blow poke without being able to find it was like bizarre to me. Also the fact that they weren't like, Hey, let's check the garage. Right. Uh, ju- absolutely bizarre to me. Um, that was a real problem for me. And then we get into Mr. Deaver. Yeah. Mr. Deaver just throws a whole <laughs> pole over this case. that just... Literally. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Deaver, of course, is the blood spatter anal- uh, analyst and, and expert. <laughs> expert. Expert qu- in, in heavy-handed quotation marks. Um, and he is supposed to... He he has these like wild credentials that he claims yeah. at the time of, of the case and and he proposes that he is this crazy expert when it comes to blood spatter. But it turns out they could have pulled this guy off the fucking street. Like I yeah, this was never. the third case that he testified in regards to blood spatter on. out of four. Out of four that he ever did. <laughs> Um, he said that he had testified in something like 25 cases or something like crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Perjured himself. Perjured himself more than once. Is he he in prison? I have no idea. I didn't look it up. Because that seems like, if nothing else, it is perjury. If it's not like, uh, what's it called? Not, Not misleading the law. Uh. Obstruction? Obstruction of justice. It, Mm. like... If, it, if you're not going to call it obstruction of justice, it is certainly perjury. Yes. And I can't and imagine why he would not be in prison. The thing that like boggled my mind when I read this is like, this guy works for an office somewhere. Like he works for an agency. <laughs> yeah. Like 
How did you not know that this guy was lying through his asshole? Like, it's not like, how did you not figure this out? Did you not vet this guy at all when you decided to call him as a witness? What's your name? Dwayne Deaver. What do you do? Blood analysis. Excellent. You're hired. Yeah, it's like, like you didn't check anything. Like, like, how the hell do you tell a lie like that and get away with it? In open court, in a murder trial that's getting a lot of press attention, and nobody figured out that this guy was was lying through his fucking teeth. <laughs> like, not a single person. Yeah, he just... Uh, he skidded by in such a bizarre way. I was like, I couldn't even fucking believe it when, when the aftermath, the, the final three episodes of The Staircase came out. Uh, after the original documentary, and they were talking about Dwayne Deaver, who is this just colossal asshole. Yeah. And it's like, what what was he even doing? They show you the videos of his, like, his experiments to try and recreate the blood spatter. And it's yeah. like, first of all, that's not how you would have studied this. You would have studied it by conducting the experiment the way they think it happened and seeing if the blood spatter created replicated the blood spatter that was show- that was found in evidence. Yeah. And he did it basically the opposite way, which was maneuvering the yeah. evidence to try and recreate the blood spatter that was found. Yep. Um, which, which is just absolutely shocking. Um, he is, by the way, not in prison. <laughs> um, he is apparently still on LinkedIn. And he's in Texas, serving as the director of operations at ISS facilities. I don't even know what that is, but I certainly hope it has nothing to do with any kind of science. <laughs> um, that said, he is just absolutely insane like i said his experiments were truly mind-boggling it was like he walked into a white room threw a bucket of red paint and a fan and said nailed it and just like (laughs) took pictures of the sections that kind of matched yeah what what they wanted it to and was like yep this was it i got it and and walked into the courtroom i don't even know if he washed his fucking hands (laughs) i'm surprised he's not a part of the trump administration if i'm being honest (laughs) uh but Dwayne deaver is only one cog of this odd machine yeah no there's there's some other shenanigans oh oh yes there are um so uh, i don't remember her name but we have uh what's her name the uh coroner oh uh deborah radish (laughs) deborah radish (laughs) yes uh is the coroner who conducted the autopsy on Kathleen Peterson and who later called for the exhumation of well she didn't she, she performed the she performed the examination that was called on uh called for by the uh DM. prosecution yeah. 
Uh, and she found that she actually had it re-qualified um, or yeah. classified as a homicide. Yep. I'm not sure how. Do we know how? Uh, I'm not really sure what the mechanism is for that now. Um, I, 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 I don't know why that was the case. And I know that after that autopsy, they declined to, the prosecution declined to charge Peterson with her homicide. Yeah. But that they used it as evidence in the case against him. Yes, they did. Which is odd. Yeah. Kind of odd that the judge allowed that. Um, kind of odd that the defense didn't didn't I, make a bigger deal of it. But how would you even I mean, fight they did. That? But, like, I honestly, I'm surprised that they weren't filing motions to, like, get a new trial based on that evidence. Like, it's bizarre to me that that was allowed, particularly the testimony from the nanny and the other witness. Yeah, like, because it's not relevant to the case it's, at all. It's technically not, and not for nothing, like, up until 10 minutes ago, this was an accident. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so, like, you had brought this up beforehand when it was classified as an accident, had them exhume the body, call it a homicide, and then brought it back into the courtroom. Like, that's some shady shit. It's really odd. To a layman. Yeah. Like, to someone who doesn't have a, a concrete understanding of the the judicial system, at least in, in the way it works in terms of those things, it is really suspect. Because it looks a lot like the cards are on the wall. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it looks like everyone here has decided what they're, what they're looking at. Yeah. Before the trial began, it it reminds me a lot of the judge in the Stephen Avery trial, mm -hmm. because, again, it's like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that one either. I don't know if I think he did or didn't do it. But the the thing that gets me about these cases, these complex possible homicides, is I don't understand what the judge's barometer is for allowing something to be used as evidence or not used as evidence, it really just boggles my mind. I mean, it's kind of an individual thing. Like, there are guidelines, but each judge has their own reasoning and their own threshold of what they feel fits the rules. And But shouldn't... In t when it comes to something like that, where it's like that crucial... Wouldn't you expect that there sh that it should be more than like one person's judgment? Shouldn't shouldn't you need to get like two other judges to sign off on that kind of a decision when I it mean, comes to like evidence that can and cannot be used? I mean, that, that's just not how the criminal justice system works. Like, but I don't know why. <laughs> I kind of don't agree with the idea of one judge presiding. Mm-hmm. In in my personal experience, because it's like, and I'm sure someone will listen to this and think it's crazy, but 
we all come to these uh we all come to these stories with our own personal biases and uh you know feelings about certain things so the idea of one person being allowed to kind of judge someone's essential guilt because that's what it comes down to when you allow or disallow evidence from being presented it comes down to the case you want to be presented i mean it depends on the judge there are certainly judges out there who are calling balls and strikes so to speak Mm -hmm. um but there are also judges who very clearly have an agenda (laughs) yeah um and i don't know enough about this judge to say one way or the other, but it certainly seems that he was allowing the DA a lot of leeway. Um, there was there was a lot that I'm surprised went the prosecution's way. One thing that really bothered me about this case, and again, this is why I wanted to come back to this, uh, was the kind of blatant homophobia yeah no there was definitely a lot of that and i am not in any way asserting that this is uh an inherent quality of north carolinians um because we have we know at least several listeners from north carolina and i know that raleigh durham is also a very liberal part of North Carolina. Uh, But the homophobia that is displayed in this particular case is like, it makes it very difficult for me to not kind of automatically, at least to some extent, take Michael Peterson's side. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's kind of where my own biases come out too, is... I'm always going to have a negative reaction to homophobia or biphobia. Yeah. And we're always going to have a sister's yeah, back. We're, we're, <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's kind of, especially when you look at the way the press talked about it and. And his, his wife's family. Yeah. Because this is what I was getting at earlier when I said, if he did do it, I really do feel bad for the sisters because it does make him an awful person. Uh, and it does give them a right to hate him, but not for this. Because they kind of swing around this bisexuality like a weapon, saying yeah. that it would have been something that she hated him for, vilifying him for it, making it sound like he's some kind of pervert, he's some kind of evil person. But Michael Peterson has uh, has asserted that she knew about it yeah. and that she would have been fine with it. Um and her, some of her children have said the same. Yeah. So it really, it really rubbed me the the wrong way uh, that we kind of end up in this situation where his sexuality or this extramarital affair was the reason he would have killed Kathleen because. As far as we can tell, it wasn't even a serious affair. They had never yeah. even met in person. 
Yeah, no, it wasn't like... It's not like he was having, like, orgies in the backyard or something. Like, it's not... Yeah, as far as we know, he had never had an actual physical extramarital affair. Yeah. Um, With anyone, let alone the one person who was pinpointed in this particular case. Who was brought on as a witness, which yeah. I think is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, a little bit. To assert that he would have killed his wife over an affair he was having with someone online. It's like, I I, I just don't understand the reasoning. It's kind of bizarre. It gets into the gay panic defense. It gets into, it's like the Twinkie defense. It's just kind of nonsense and kind of stems from that that thing any queer person has experienced, which is a fundamental misunderstanding of how being queer works. Yes. And also sort of the instant vilification of queer people, of queer people in general, but particularly, particularly bisexual men have this problem, I believe, where it's, well, he's really just gay. Like any interest in, in men means that he's really just gay and Mm -hmm. he has a secret gay life and he wants to kill her because he wants to run off with a man. And it's, it's like, (laughs) it's like guys like the, the, when the DA is throwing around shit like that, it's, that's preposterous. It's preposterous. Yeah. And frankly offensive. And Again, it just kind of demonstrates a lack of understanding of what we're talking about. And it's like, he could be bisexual and he could have been looking for an extramarital affair, but that is in no way indicative of the fact that he was unhappy with his marriage. There are plenty of people who have had extramarital affairs and continue to be married. Yeah. To their significant others. And I am not defending that when it is something that is done behind their spouse's or partner's back. However, it is not a a reason for... It is not a motive for violence. Not usually, no. Sexual misconduct is not inherently a motive for violence. It has to have some kind of tied-in motive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And that was something that really, really bothered me about this whole thing. And it was something that really left a distaste for me in my mouth about not only the prosecution and the judge for allowing it, but also, frankly, Kathleen's family. Yeah, no, that's Particularly her sisters. Um, If he didn't do it, I, I, I... would have very harsh words for them. Mm-hmm. And frankly, if he did do it, I would still have harsh words for them because it's not fair. No. I don't think his bisexuality, if he killed her, is in any way an, an indicator for why he did it. No. No, I agree. Um, so all of this is to say, these are these are a few of the reasons this case is so confusing. Um and you mentioned even the media's portrayal of him and and his bisexuality. Do you think that the media played a big part in this? I mean, in theory, it didn't influence the jurors, but I mean, it certainly had, I would argue, most of 
North Carolina thinking that he definitely did this. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, the, the, the jurors were isolated, right? Yes, I believe so. Okay. It's hard to say how much of an influence the media might have had on uh, on the outcome of this case. But I do think the media certainly didn't help with, A, what was going on in the family at the time. No. And B, the, the, uh, B society's interpretation of what happened here but it's also i mean all the witnesses aren't isolated Mm -hmm. you know and like for example bringing the nanny in bringing in (laughs) that second witness like yeah who knows what they had read who knows what they had seen yeah yeah it it really does become so convoluted and again i am not a hundred percent one way or the other on this case. Mm-hmm. It really is complicated. And it... it I, I, I don't know how to process all of this. It's so much information. I, I get frustrated because it's like, at the very least, I think he was due a second trial. Yeah, I'm still kind of surprised that he didn't feel that way. Which is another one of those things that makes me go, dude, like, I don't understand what you're trying to do here. Well, I understand his trepidation. I I, I guess I do, too. But, like, if you didn't do this, like, wouldn't you be just desperate to prove it? I mean, I would think so. But then you have to take into consideration the fact that he's gambling with his life. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I would want to prove it, but would I want to prove it badly enough that if I didn't prove it, I would spend the rest of my life in jail? I mean, when you're already spending the rest of your life in jail, I would argue... Well, but that's why the Alfred plea comes into such uh, an important role in this, because at a certain point, it was... He was adverse to a second trial, I think, because of the effect he saw the first trial take on his family. Yeah. Um, And I'm sure him personally. And again, not saying he did or didn't do anything. Um, However, I think the first trial probably sobered him to the process. Yeah. If I had seen what he had seen in his first trial... I wouldn't trust that justice system to do it right the second time. I mean, that's fair. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I wouldn't want a second trial for something in a system I had seen to be that flawed. Because who's to say he wouldn't get another Dwayne Deaver? Who's mm-hmm. to say he would want that coroner yeah. to be a part of this case again? Yes, he has a better idea of what he's fighting against, and so his lawyers can prepare for it more Mm -hmm. but you're still fighting an uphill battle because you don't know who's going to be on the jury you don't know how they're going to be swayed by any of the evidence you don't know because at that point i don't remember if Dwayne deaver had been fired from ssi or sbi Um, i think he had by that point because i believe the alfred plea is 2017 mm mm-hmm and I think he got fired very shortly after the investigation. So like 2011, 2012, somewhere right. in there. But then 
I guess the other fear is you don't know what the next examiner is going to find and, and yeah. how they're going to or who they are. You know what I mean? You when you get fucked by Dwayne Deaver, you don't <laughs> you don't take that call again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's just not something that's done. Yeah. But uh yeah, I if I were him, I wouldn't want a second trial, especially in a case like that. And in a system like that, because I would I wouldn't trust it. Would you? I don't think I would trust it, but I don't think I don't think given what the other options are mm-hmm. that like I think it might just be that I'm stubborn. But yeah, yeah no, I would want round two. I would want another shot. I mean, that's fair. It's scary, but it's fair. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not a gambler. I'm not one of the, like, I don't go to Vegas. I don't go to AC. I don't even play penny slots. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not that person. And so when I see an out, usually I will take it mm-hmm. for for most situations. Yeah. Um, for a situation like that, I would I would probably have taken the Alfred plea. Because it's like, I have too much of my life left to want to spend it in prison. I mean, that's fair. I just, the idea of being being innocent and basically, labeled. Be basically saying that you're guilty. Like, I know that it's while the defendant maintains their innocence, but it's going up there and saying the, the prosecution has enough to convict. Well, and this is something I wanted to talk about because uh, this is the next huge topic. We get to the idea of the Alford plea. Yeah. Um, the Alford plea is garbage, <laughs> in my opinion. I mean, that's that's fair. The Alford plea is fucking nonsense. Um, in my opinion, it is something that was developed as a way of the courts kind of uh, absolving themselves. Yeah. Because it's like, it's their idea of a 50-50. Yeah. But it's not a 50-50 because then this person has to walk around with a conviction. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like, the only thing it absolves them of is having to say, sorry, we were wrong. Pretty much. And it's like, the Alford plea can fuck itself hard in the ass like it with a spiked wooden dildo i just i hate the alfred plea i think it's fucking nonsense and it's it gets into that thin blue line bullshit of like we don't have we don't have the uh ability to admit wrongdoing so we're going to let you live free, quote unquote free, even though yeah. now he has a fucking conviction and probably won't get hired for any jobs and will be a fucking pariah. But, um, and we're going to let you go because you have acknowledged that we have enough to convict you and you are now technically convicted of something. Yep. Uh, although you assert your innocence. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Get fucked. Literally, like, suck the fart out of my ass. Because it's like, you know you were wrong. Because you wouldn't offer someone the Alfred plea if you really thought 
That you would convict them a second time. That you would convict them a second time. But you're playing to the emotion of this person doesn't want to get caught in a bad situation twice. Yeah. And it's like, you're fucking with people who are now in a a really, really awful situation where they cannot cope with the idea of prolonging this experience any further. And you're saying, well, we'll let you go if you just take this thing. And it's like... It, it, it's like going to it's like going to court and the judge is an insurance company like it's just fuckery and fuck insurance companies by the way let me say that <laughs> and especially Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield but um, I I will say this uh, the Alfred plea pisses me off because you see it here you see it in cases like the the west memphis three it's all these situations where it's like you have toyed with these people where they've been wrongfully imprisoned Mm -hmm. for years in some cases decades yeah and now you're saying well we'll send you back by pulling this fuckery that you've already seen we can pull or you can take this shitty deal and go home yeah because it's the same thing. I don't know if you watched um, West of Memphis, the follow-up to the I, Paradise Lost documentaries. I didn't watch it, no. Have you ever seen the Paradise Lost documentaries? Uh, I No, I haven't. Oh, my God. We need to watch those. But um, <laughs> the follow-up, uh, not to spoil anything, <laughs> is that all but one of the, mes- the West Memphis Three wanted to take the Alford plea that was yeah. offered to them. And one of them was saying the same thing you said. He was like, "No, I'm innocent and I want to prove it." And the and it was only they were only being offered if all three took it. Mm-hmm. And the other two were like, "Do you really want to take the chance that this system that fucked us won't do it twice?" Yeah. And that you might spend the rest of your life in jail for something you didn't do. And I won't say what ends up happening, mm-hmm. but it's that same idea. The Alfred plea just bothers me to know. It's a CYA move. It's a cover your ass move. Yeah. How do you feel about the Alfred plea as a general or as specifically a... to this case? <laughs> as a general thing, I I agree with you. I think it stinks. It's, it's a cop out because if you really have enough evidence to convict someone, why the do fuck it. would you let them out? Yeah. Like, it's it just doesn't make any sense from a prosecutorial standpoint like this is clearly a thing that you offer when you know you fucked up and that's what makes me feel like the supreme court of the united states should outlaw the alford plea because if if they can't prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the person did it there shouldn't even be a fucking trial and they shouldn't be allowed to manipulate uh the accused that way. No, I agree. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. It's okay. You're fine. <laughs> no. no, it's it's stupid. And it's like in this case, who knows? Like he might have done it. Mm-hmm. But like even if he did it, if you can't prove it, he shouldn't be in jail. Right. So like standing there and going, we can prove it, but. <laughs> we're going to let you but go. We're going to let you go. <laughs> You know, just you just forget about Dwayne and <laughs> and go have a nice life. Like that's 
it's, uh, it's kind of shady. Well, and that's the thing. It's the terms of the Alfred plea that really bother me the most because an Alfred plea means that the the convicted, quote unquote convicted, mm-hmm. cannot sue the state. They cannot sue the, yep. the city. They cannot sue any of the uh, witnesses or or experts they they have no room for repercussion for having been wronged and like i said in this case i don't know if he did or didn't do it so i'm not arguing specifically for michael peterson but in the case of the alfred plea it just feels like insurance for the state yep that's all it is and it's like no you should not have that because i don't get that and there's nothing I I don't get anything that's an Alfred plea. No. There's no there's no civilian equivalent of the Alfred plea. I don't know what to tell you. It's <laughs> it it bothers the hell out of me and it's one of those really horrible things that just we'll we'll never see a resolution to probably in our lifetime. Probably not, no. Now we have almost reached the end of this discussion. <laughs> So but there's one other possibly 45-minute discussion to be had uh, about a pivotal point that has been raised. And I honestly don't know what to say about it. I really, truly don't. Because on its face, it sounds ludicrous. It's so ridiculous. It's <laughs> lunacy. But. (laughs) And it's a big butt. It's a big butt. This is like, we're talking like lady bunny butt. (laughs) It kind of makes sense. I know. (laughs) It's it's awful. It's awful. And I feel like such a And there's actually like evidence to support it. It's like, like, this isn't just like a weird theory. It's like. Yeah, this isn't like pull out your tinfoil hat. Like there's like. (laughs) So. We mentioned earlier, I know I mentioned briefly, that it looked a bit, based on the crime scene photos, like Kathleen had fallen backwards from the front door. Uh, Something I did not mention is that there was a bloody hand print or smear, like some kind of like fingerprint or something on the door. Like she had closed the door. Mm Mm-hmm. Or had her hand pressed against the door. This is in conjunction with the fact that in her hair and on her clothing, there were bits of um, brush, like trees, like twigs and something from the trees outside. As well as in her hair and I believe under her fingernails, right? Um, Microscopic. Owl feathers. Yes. <laughs> and this is where... And this is where things get truly fucked up. <laughs> this is where the mechanisms in the Predator's Pyramid just totally change and all the rooms shift and we're like, what? <laughs> it has been asserted by... We'll say posited. Posited. I'm doing that for Glenn. This is- for, for Glenn. Although <laughs> several 
experts, yes, aviary I experts, I know, <laughs> have asserted that this could be true. <laughs> it has been posited, Glenn, <laughs> because he's up there furiously typing, um, that this could all be the result of an owl attack. Yes. I I don't even know where to begin with this. So, <laughs> a I, the it is asserted that it's possible Kathleen was outside, and that there are large owls yes. in this section of of North Carolina, and that they are aggressive. Yes, they are. even with people. Mm-hmm. It is not unheard of for people to have been attacked by owls. It's not common. No. But it is not impossible. And it not unheard of, I should say. Now, in reviewing the lacerations to the back of her head, I mentioned earlier that they were in the shape of a Y. Picture an owl's foot and where the talons would be on that foot. It is a Y-shaped foot yep. with one, I guess, opposable thumb-like appendage mm-hmm. in the back and two in the front. Which... Like three in the front. Uh, two or three in the mm-hmm. front. Um, which makes it possible that a pr- predatory owl could have attacked her head? Is that what we're saying? (laughs) This is... For me, I'm going to come out officially and say I believe the owl theory. Do you? (laughs) I do believe it. I'm really kind of swayed to it, if I'm being honest. And here's the thing that... Here's the thing that makes me think it. It's not the lacerations. It is the owl feathers. Because how the fuck would they have gotten there? Like, like he, he hit her with the blow poke seven times and then, and then sprinkled, sprinkled owl, owl feathers. feathers. <laughs> like, like, like a gay woodland fairy. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, it's just, it's completely bizarre. And I know we've been sitting here this whole time going, we're not sure if he did or didn't do it. But like, I'm going to come out and say, I don't think he did. Because I, don't I think, think he that she either. was murdered by an owl. <laughs> like, and I know it makes me sound crazy. Because I will come out and say, I have heard several times the girls on, uh, I shouldn't say girls, the women on um, uh, My Favorite Murder say how ridiculous they think the owl theory is. Yeah. In this specific case. Yes, I know. Because I don't think the owl theory <laughs> applies to many other cases. But I have to disagree. I think it makes a lot of sense. The only other way I could see this being a thing is if owls are native to the area, is it impossible that an owl had been resting on her her pool chair and she sat in her pool chair and the feathers got in her hair? No. I guess. But like, it's the only reasonable evidence for why she would have lacerations and no bruising or 
fracturing. And that's the thing. Deborah Radish insists that these lacerations are impossible to be caused by an owl. I'm going to call bullshit. Have you ever seen an owl's foot? It's huge. It's huge. Those talons are incredibly sharp. Like, there's no reason to believe that it couldn't. Hawks and owls and other predatory birds pick up, like, dogs. Yeah. <laughs> like, like <laughs> the, the, they're... <laughs> It's not like a little a little tiny owl that you yeah, see on like, like the nature preserve. Like, hoot, hoot. Yeah. Like <laughs> we're talking this thing is bigger than your fucking head. Like <laughs> it's it's a big owl. It's a big fuck off owl and it's got huge fuck off feet and huge fuck off nails and like And this happened in the middle of the night. It did happen in the middle of the night. And like how the fuck would the owl feathers get there if that's not what happened? Like, and that's kind of how I feel. And to have minor uh, defensive wounds because of she's she's not getting into a fist fight with the owl. No. To have the twigs and and brush in her hair and on her clothing, it's like. Did she go outside? She saw something in the woods, like to like, the, like she saw some weeds in the woods or something, and like went to like pick it up or, or crouch down to get it. A, a nearby owl saw something it misinterpreted and attacked her, thinking she was prey, and lacerated the back of her head. It attacked her. She ran inside, being attacked by the owl that was now either entangled in her hair or was continuing to attack her for some reason. Or maybe she was too close to an owl nest. Who knows? She ran inside, uh, managed to get away from the owl, turned to uh, close the door. And we know she had, she was just below intoxicated. Yeah. Fell backwards on the stairs and broke her neck. Fell backwards onto the stairs is what I'm saying. Yeah. If I'm being honest, it's the thing that makes the most fucking sense. <laughs> but it's just like no one, to my knowledge, has offered any other explanation for those fucking feathers. Not one. Not one person has has given any kind of explanation as to how they could have possibly gotten there. And it's bizarre. Because we're talking about people who are part of the scientific community and forensic community. And it's like, the whole thing in science and forensics is follow the evidence. The evidence will tell you the story. And everyone's sitting here going, there's a Y-shaped laceration pattern and some owl feathers and twigs. And they're like, you must have beat her with a metal hammer. Like, I, like what? <laughs> I, don't, like, I, I don't understand. <laughs> sorry, how Karen we, and Georgia. <laughs> I know. I, you know what? I'm almost sorry, because I think we're just going to have to agree to disagree on this. Not, And I'm not saying that I in any way hold it against them. I'm just no. saying we disagree. But, um, it just is the only thing in my mind that makes sense. Is that crazy? It's, it are is we crazy, crazy for yes. thinking this? <laughs> yes, we are. Because it's it's such a completely batshit idea. Yeah. But like the way this came about was an outside attorney who had been following the case read an evidence list and noticed that there was a feather listed. Mm-hmm. He then found the reports that listed the microscopic owl feathers. Uh, they, I don't think they said owl feathers. I think it was just microscopic feathers. But took this and ran with it 
And here we are with the fucking owl theory. But it was proven that they are owl feathers. I believe it was proven eventually I'm like, that next they were to positive. owl feathers. Glenn, yes. check up on it. <laughs> uh, I'm next to positive that it was proven that they are owl feathers. And it's like... <laughs> what? I don't know, guys. Like, it wasn't a blowpoke. I don't know. What are the options? No one found a bloody knife. No, that's the other thing is like no one has explained what other murder weapon he would have used if it's not the blowpoke. He didn't beat her head on the stairs. There's no evidence of her head being beaten on the stairs. No, there's no there's no evidence of her falling down the stairs. And the thing is, if I'm not mistaken, most of the damage to her head was done to the back of her head. Yes, it was the top and back of her head. Top and back of her head. And. They're insinuating, or not insinuating, I I should say they are positing or asserting that he was standing over her, beating her. Yeah. But she was found face up? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't know. I I mean, could he have flipped the body? Of course he could, but... But looking at the crime scene photos, like, it doesn't... It doesn't look that heavily manipulated. No. Like, there aren't drag marks in the blood. There no. aren't... It doesn't look like she was turned or moved or or at least in a significant way. No. And, like, I... This, by the way, is entirely amateur. Yes. Like, we are, we are not <laughs> experts in blood spatter analysis. No. So, take it with a grain of salt. But I'm going to go out and say it. I think an owl killed her. I... I, I, I think she stole a Tootsie Roll. I can't hear. And she paid the price. No. I I can't believe I'm saying this. Because, again, I know I've said this three times now. Walks like a duck. Quacks like a duck. But in this case, it hoots like a fucking owl. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, there are fucking owl feathers in her hair. How did they get there? I don't like, know. And I think it's perfectly reasonable to say she could have been walking around the house to get to the front door. Like like we said, she was partially inebriated. She could have been walking around the house for whatever reason. Maybe she went outside to check the mail. Maybe, like, whatever reason. She might have walked close to a tree that had an owl's nest in it. And she was attacked by a, by a mother owl. Like... That's not a foreign idea, especially in a heavily wooded area. We saw this area. Yeah. It was forest-like. Yes, it was. I I don't know. I, and I mean, it doesn't make her death any less tragic that it was this freak accident, but like... It kind of seems like it was a freak accident. It seems to me that way. Yeah. And like, for this to happen to this guy <laughs> twice. I know. <laughs> it's like, like if like, I were him, the next house would be a ranch. Like, like I, don't, I don't know. The, this is, it's a lot to handle. Like, it's a fucking lot to handle. But like. The scary thing is that I, I I know this sounds like a shitty thing to say. It's like, I don't want to believe this. I don't either. <laughs> like, for all intents and purposes, I'm the person who's usually sitting there like, listen, I get it's confusing and and 
compelling to think he didn't do it. But like, what's the alternative? Someone broke in and attacked her with a blowpoke and ran away with it? Like, I would normally be that person to say, like you said, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck. But this one kind of doesn't like it, 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 it doesn't quack. It just goes Mah. like it, just, it makes like the strangest sound and nobody knows what the sound is. And it has four fingers on its feet. And you're like, these aren't duck prints. I don't know what this is. Do ducks have four little toes on their feet? Um, I think I think they do, but it's a web. This one has 12. Webs. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. No, it's it's completely bizarre. It's a it's a bizarre <laughs> theory. It's it's so fucking out there, but like I just I'm going to ask again, where the fuck did the head <laughs> come from? Like, it's like, <laughs> like if if anyone could give me a rational explanation for where those fucking feathers came from, I would disavow this theory immediately. Mm. But no one can do that. (laughs) He killed her. He opened the door to drag her body out. An owl flew in and landed on her head. He didn't move. He looked very, he was like, (gasps) and the owl looked back like, (laughs) and then he slowly backed away from the door. The owl flapped its wings three times and flew away. (laughs) That is clearly the answer to this. I just like they they even said that the feathers match like the feathers that are around the owl's feet. It's those little tiny yeah. tiny pin feathers. Like what the hell? Like, like And the worst part is that when you present this evidence to people, they look at you like you're fucking insane and it's like I dare you. Look up the same shit I did and don't come away with the answer I have. Like you guys know me by now. Like, like, like when, we, when it comes to the true crime shit, like, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not crazy. Yeah. I'm, I, I am, you sound like I Michael am Peterson. The, I'm the easiest person to convince with evidence. Yeah. Like, but the evidence but the doesn't evidence show it. the evidence doesn't show it. Like, what did he attack her with? An how owl. Did, how did he he takes her through the house with an owl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining them running in circles around the house. And the, the owl's like, put me down. I just, I can't. Like, I can't think of a way to disprove this. And it's driving me crazy. I, I can't. Because the only thing you can possibly say, like, the only thing you can do is dismiss it. And that's what a lot of people have done. That's what most mm-hmm. people have done is say, well, that's impossible. And they move on. And it's like, but it's not, though. It's really not. It's not impossible. <laughs> Especially because, like, at, I remember when I first, after I watched The Staircase, I went on the internet. Because this is what I do with any true crime mm-hmm. situation. I go on the internet and then I'm like, okay, I need to learn everything I can about this right now. And one of the first things I see is this fucking owl theory. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And... <laughs> I read it and I was like, this is tomfoolery. Like, (laughs) this is malarkey. (laughs) And then I read another article about it and I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, I, this is, 
I, I might be wrong. And then you read another article and you're like, oh my God. God, God, I have to believe it. Like, I don't want to, but it's in there now. Like, it, it is taking up space in my brain. It's just like, I told you, the first time I watched this fucking documentary, I'm like, this guy fucking did it. Yeah. Like, no question in my mind, this guy fucking did it. Yeah. And then, like, I heard the owl theory and went, well, damn. this is this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then they were explaining it. And I'm like, they found what in her hair? <laughs> Excuse me? Excuse me, what? Owl semen. (laughs) (laughs) They did not find owl semen in her hair. But they did find foot feathers. (laughs) And you know what? Uh, Who knows? He's out of jail now. He is officially out of jail. He is technically guilty of voluntary manslaughter. uh, But he did accept an Alfred plea. Who knows? Do you think he believes the owl theory? I have no idea. I <laughs> I I would love like I would love to know. If he's actually innocent and this isn't all like and this is this isn't all just crazy conjecture. Like if this isn't the most like if this isn't the most reasonable explanation for this but he's innocent anyway. Do you think that he could possibly believe <laughs> I, I can't say one way or another, but here's what I will say. If he says that he doesn't believe the owl theory, I think he killed her. <laughs> that's that's what I say. <laughs> it like it is literally the only reasonable explanation for her death. Yeah. So if he doesn't believe it. It's because he knows it's what beca- happened. Yeah, it's because he beat her with a blowpoke. I don't know. Like, I can't imagine what the fuck the reasoning would be for that. I, I don't. I don't I know, don't. man. This this case fucks with my head so bad. I know. Like- I'm exhausted by talking about this. And on that note, I think yes. now's as good a time as any. <laughs> To uh, abandon the owls. <clears throat> yes. We are at an hour and 49 minutes. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> this is almost as long as It Chapter 2. Almost, yes. <laughs> and we almost did Solely it because of gravy. Um, <laughs> that said, I think we're done with Michael Peterson. Please let us know what you think of the owl theory. We have done a lot of research about this, and we're very interested what you think. Like we said... We are open to reasonable explanations. We are not crazy people. We would love to hear your thoughts, and uh, especially on the entire case. So let us know what you think. We would love to hear from you. Um, you can reach out to us on so any of the social media spots. You know what they are, and we list them at the end of the episode. So uh, that's it for Michael Peterson. Uh we will be back next week with more mini, mini microsodes on the Patreon at patreon.com slash family and another main episode one week from today. So until then, stay spoopy and remember. The theory that a raptor caused those wounds is pretty persuasive. And in this instance, when it hit Mrs. Peterson, she reached up and all of a sudden she is entangled with this wild bird of prey, a barred owl. It should be mentioned 
that barred owls are known to owl experts to attack people out of the blue, unprovoked, with no warning. So the fact that Kathleen lived in a place where these owls are prevalent and she got whacked in the head by one is not far out of the ordinary. My Spooky Gay Family features music by Nate Walker, artwork by David Elon, and this episode contains audio from a YouTube clip entitled The Owl Theory, distributed by Netflix 2018. Please subscribe on iTunes, leave us a nice message, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon. My Spooky Gay Family is a product of Barbara Duel Productions. Barbara Duel Productions.